Welcome to the Lord's Podcast with Will Rowe. Well, many thanks for tuning in to the first podcast of 2016. I'm very pleased to be joined by Middlesex all-rounder James Franklin. Welcome, James. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great stuff. And joining James is a freelance journalist who was voted the Christopher Martin Jenkins Young Journalist of the Year in 2015, Tim Wigmore. Welcome, Tim. Cheers, Will. Good stuff. Right, coming up, we'll look at England's series victory in South Africa, discuss Stuart Broad's rise to number one, and reflect on the news that Brendan McCullum will deliver this year's MCC Spirit of Cricket Cowdery Lecture. As well as all this, I'll put my guests to the test with the Lord's Podcast Quiz. But first, we'll go straight to the Twitter sphere, and we've got some questions for you, James, under the hashtag AskFrankie. Um, do you miss the Mumbai Indian team and do you miss India? That's from Ready 45 on Twitter. Uh, short answer, yes. Um, I, had, I had three good seasons or IPL campaigns with the Mumbai Indians and was lucky enough in that time to also go to the Champions League and win that. Um, you know, India is a fantastic place to play cricket and also to visit. The people are hugely welcoming and um, the whole cricketing scene is, is on a, uh, a totally different level to anywhere else really in the world. The, the craze and fanaticism about the game is, is huge there. So, um, you know, I had three very enjoyable seasons there in a, in a local team and probably the biggest franchise in the IPL. So um, hopefully one day I can get back there and play some more cricket. But um, for the time being, it was a great experience. Next question comes from Achal Sharma. They say, your experience in the IPL, what was your favourite Bollywood actor and movie? <laughs> did, you, did you get into the culture? <laughs> uh, look, um, whenever I was uh, <laughs> in the gym doing a bit of a workout, there was always a TV on with um, Bollywood songs and actors and actresses um, moving around and singing songs. But I never actually got to watch a, a Bollywood movie as such. Um, which I'm sad to say. No, we had Alex Jude on the podcast before. He's been on a couple of times. I think he's actually starred in a Bollywood movie. And when I say star, he had about a five-second role, so that's his claim to fame. Well, I think uh, on there, I think Brett Lee's been trying to break into the Bollywood scene. I think he's, he has broken it. Yeah, well, he's, <laughs> he is huge over in India, so um, more power to him. Great stuff. Uh, bringing it back to England, um, this one comes from AlexG1690 on Twitter. He says... Are you going to bowl a bit more next season in the county championship? Yeah, well, interestingly enough, uh, once last season uh, was was over and done with, um, within about 10 days I was on the operating table getting a, a back issue sorted out that I've, was sort of quite long-standing. I had a, a, a bulging disc and was pinching a nerve running down one of my legs. So um, it sort of restricted my bowling capacity a bit over the last year or so. So um, the aim is obviously to to remedy it and, and hopefully mean that I can um, add a bit more value with the ball for Middlesex over this coming year and, and you know hopefully a few more years to come. Great stuff. Uh, Craig Robson asks, why don't we see more Kiwis playing county cricket? Yeah, again, uh, um, I think uh, there has been a lot more New Zealanders over here over the last sort of 10 years. Um, I'm just trying to think back. I think, um, you know, Chris Kens was over here from you know early 90s and I think he was sort of a lone soldier for a long time with Nottingham um, and then Steve Fleming came over and and I guess from his sort of time here initially at Middlesex and then he moved to sort of a bit with Yorkshire and Nottingham then the it just opened it up a bit Scott Styrus came here and then a few more of us sort of to start to infiltrate the county scene in the mid 2000s and it's just grown and grown now and I think New Zealanders are now getting more recognised around the world as, as being very good players and so 
I think we're starting to see more of uh, the Kiwis over here in the county scene and in the IPL, and um, that's probably resulting back to you know the New Zealand team, you know, getting a bit better. And um, I think people are, are definitely looking at the New Zealand player market as being a good market to go to to get players from. Yeah, I mean, there'll be a period this season here at Lords for Middlesex where there'll be three of you, yourself, Mitchell McLennigan and Brendan McCullum. James Fuller as well. Okay, yes. Yeah, so so there's um, there's going to be a few sweet airs and a few bros and um, <laughs> it'll be quite nice to, to, dull, to divulge in a bit of local Kiwi language. But um, yeah, on a serious note, um, you know, there's, off the top of my head, I reckon there's probably going to be six six to ten um, New Zealanders around the county scene over, over this coming season. So I think that's a pretty good representation. Absolutely. Um, Deep Meter says on Twitter, what's your most memorable moment in the field? In the field? Um, that's a pretty... Or I think this may be more construed as, you know, in a match, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, oh, it's a pretty generic question, really, because it could mean a whole heap of things. Um <laughs> Look, uh, in the field, um, I think any time you're involved, well, for me personally, any time you're involved when you're bowling last and you're in a four-day game or in a test match and you're, you're bowling to win a game of cricket and, you, and it actually works out, I think there's not much better feeling than that. Um, there's so many specific instances that I could probably name from an individual point of view but I think from a, a generic point which this question probably is I think the feeling that you get um, from walking off the field with you know 10 other guys after winning a game of cricket defending a score and bowling a team out um, it's a very satisfying feeling from a from a fielding and bowling point of view what's the best pub in London that one's from Duncan Lindo from what I've sampled and I haven't sampled too many and I imagine that there's hundreds if not thousands of them um uh there's a local pub down sort of near where i live in in barns um called the bull's head which i've been to a couple of times i first time i got to go there was when england played australia in the rugby world cup and i watched the demise of the english rugby team against australia and um the pub went fairly deflated fairly quickly um who did you support in that game yeah that was a very tough one to support <laughs> i was very neutral in that game um and the Lord's Tavern here at Lord's is, is obviously a good place uh, for us cricketers to go to after a game and, and have a pint or two and swap a few war stories about the game that we've just played. It's a nice plug for the tavern there. There you go. Um, why did you start supporting Liverpool? This is from Teresa Parker, and I'll have to add, do you support Liverpool? Mm. I just picked out a random no. question. <laughs> no, um, <clears throat> I guess my <clears throat> my real passion is football and particularly Liverpool I've, I've been a mad supporter of them ever since I was a little kid um, growing up in New Zealand uh, on Sunday mornings which I guess was about the live time for it running here was match of the day yeah. um, at about 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning on Sunday mornings and in the mid 80s when I was a, a 5 or 6 year old Liverpool were kings of, of England and Europe and that's generally why I've supported them um, since then it's been fairly lean pickings <laughs> um, the odd trophy here and there and a lot of um, hope and enthusiasm going into every season but finishing a little bit with tail, tails between our legs um, but I guess that's part of supporting a team and um, you know, my brother, my older brother, he's a mad Manchester United supporter, so we always have a wager when, <laughs> when those two teams play against one another. But um, 
always been a keen follower. Um, you know, Stephen Gerrard has been a, um, I guess, a bit of a hero from another sport for me for a long time. I've always liked how he's gone about playing the sport and the way he plays. And um, I went to watch Liverpool, you know, uh, end of October to play Chelsea, and that was nice. They beat Chelsea, so hopefully one day I can get to Anfield and, and watch Liverpool play at home. It'll be nice. And finally, coming back to cricket, your favourite player from Pakistan, that's from Angur Wakas. Uh, again, growing up, um, I always sort of idolised in a way um, was a Makram. Um, just pure genius, you know, the, the things he could do with a cricket ball um, were amazing. And I guess uh, a sort of a wannabe left arm fast bowler and and watching him go about it. And then eventually, you know, I actually got to play against him quite a few times when I first started international cricket. For some reason, we always played against Pakistan or Sri Lanka. So I had probably about three series against him and to face him um, was awesome but just also to to watch it in live action was was incredible and you know that was at the back end of his career and he was still messing around with batsmen and um, you know just a just a real genius did you pick his brains did you chat with him yeah I, I guess so I can't really remember but I'm sure knowing the sort of cricket badger that I can be sometimes and you know, I was always told as you know from senior players that I play with you know if you ever get an opportunity to speak to um, older players from different teams, you, you know, you should try and pick their brains, particularly if you see something that you like and you want to know. And at the end of the day, the worst that they can say is sort of no, you know, go away. <laughs> yeah. But more often than not, um, you know, most most people are pretty receptive to sharing some some sort of advice. So for me, it was was a macrum. Great stuff. Well, that leads me into to say that. The Pakistan and Sri Lanka are here this year at Lords. Um, the ODI for that match is actually sold out. Pakistan versus England in August at Lords, um, but there are still some test tickets available for both the Pakistan and Sri Lanka matches, and they go on general sale uh, in the final week of January. Now, the final test of England's tour to South Africa is this week. Alistair Cook's side have already won the series after a phenomenal spell of bowling from Stuart Broad at the Wanderers, which gave England an unassailable 2-0 lead. More on that in a moment, but first, following a disappointing tour of the UAE, how have England turned it around so convincingly after the number against the number one test side in their own backyard? Uh, Tim, I'll throw that question straight to you. I think in, in those sorts of conditions, England are a really, really they're an excellent team, as they showed against Australia in the summer as well. Um, I think that yeah, their scene bowling in those conditions has been fantastic. Obviously, led by by Stuart Broad, he's been exceptional. Um, but those sorts of wickets, they they suiting in pretty well, because um, obviously in the UAE, the spin becomes an issue, both with the lack of spinners in can have, and also they're not as good as as playing spin. And the other thing is, I guess South Africa are undoubtedly on the decline a bit, as they showed in India as well. So, although they were still number one, they're kind of in name only. I think they haven't won in seven or eight Test matches now. So kind of probably one team on the upper bit, quite a young vibrant side England and South Africa struggling a little bit, especially with injuries to State and Philander. There's still a few issues in that England side. Uh, there's been much talk about how well they've done in the last couple of test matches, but I'd like to pinpoint two places, number two and three. Um, Alistair Cook's opening partner, they're still struggling a little bit with that. Alex Hales has been given a chance there. And Nick Compton at three is, obviously you know him well, James, mm. from, at Middlesex. He hasn't quite nailed that spot down. He started well in the series, but now there's a couple of question marks over him. How do you see that sort of playing out? Yeah, look, uh, I'll start with Alex. I mean, you know, it's his only his first few test matches. And, you know, if we put it into perspective, 
Um, yes, he's a brilliant one-day player, but he's also got to find his feet at test match level and he's been given an opportunity. And if they think and they believe that he is um, a, a long-term plan, then they've got to stick by him for a, a certain amount of time. And to judge a guy on sort of three test matches a little bit short-sighted, I think we've got to give him time. We know that there is brilliance inside of him. Um, you know, tough place to go for your first tour in terms of playing. Um, he has got 150, he has got a score. So, you know, if he gets another score this last test, then, you know, the Wolves sort of are kept at bay again. And, and, you know, with Nick following on from Alex, I think Nick has shown what his great skills are. He's batted long periods of time in South Africa and he has got a, in a way, a match-defining score on that first test that went a long way to helping him win that test. He batted a long time for his 80 in really tough conditions. He's got, a, I think, another 40. Um, yeah, two 40s. And another couple of 40s. So, look, he, he might have missed out a bit in, um, in Johannesburg, but that happens. I think, again, if Nick is a long-term plan, you just got to keep sticking with it. I think he's the man. I, I love the way he goes about his business. It means... You've got rocks with him and Alistair Cook up the top. And it means that guys like Root and um, Stokes, um, Taylor, Taylor, they can play their natural games. Um, you've got those rocks up the top of the order. And Nick, I know from a middle Middlesex point of view, last season he was massive for us. You know, we played on some very tricky wickets last year. And, you know, he might not have scored the hundreds that he wanted to score, but he scored uh, hugely valuable... 40s, 50s, 70s for us um, in tough conditions and you know Nick is a very strong character mentally and I think his game is perfectly suited to test match number three. How good do you think this England side can become because after the last test match of course there's all the talk about right they're going to go back to number one in the world um, is it a bit early to be talking about that or is this a special group of players? Well, so as a number one, what's interesting is that there's no real standout team at the moment. South Africa have been outstanding, but they're on the way down. And India is still pretty iffy away from home. Australia, you know, they obviously weren't great in the Ashes. England's still pretty iffy as well away from home. So there's there's sort of a vacancy there for any team that can sort of seize it. I guess next couple of years, England have got India away and Australia away in five test series. So those are the kind of most most pivotal games for them going forward. I think. I think their batting is pretty well set up. I think even Johnny Bairstow at seven has been superb. Obviously, Ben Stokes has been fantastic. I think possibly need to actually develop a sort of an, another seam option because Alison Broadfin is a very good trio, but if one of those goes injured, it don't really have the sort of guy to slot in that you know could. I mean, they've got promising guys, but no one who's actually proved that they can do the job. And Moenali, obviously, he, he's brought a lot to the England side, but you'd still have to say in India, for example, would he be good enough to be the lead spinner? It's it's a it's a fair question, and so that there's a there's a few issues there for England. But if you look at the age of the side, it's pretty it's pretty young. Uh, you know, a few sides seem to be on the way down, and seem to be going up. So yeah, there's a, a lot to be sort of excited about. Right now, following England's victory against South Africa, Stuart Broad shot to number one in the Test bowling rankings. He's the first Englishman since Steve Harmison in 2004 to top the ICC rankings. His 6-for-17 on the final day of the test, that included a spell of 5-for-1, was a truly inspired spell. It's the seventh time he's managed to take five or more wickets in a single spell. He certainly has a knack of producing match-winning performances. Uh, James, how does a bowler get into a rhythm like that? 
don't know. I mean, it's staggering, really. <laughs> and he seems to to do it um, in the in the crunch times for England in the big series against the big opposition. Um, it's a great pedigree to have, yeah. um, and it's a great habit to have. Um, you know, to to have a guy that can literally blow a game open um, for the better for your team is 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 awesome to have in your team. And um, you know, Stuart. You know, he he is he has copped a bit of criticism, I guess, in years gone by. But I think these last couple of years, particularly, he's he's really starting to stand up, and um, the partnership with him and James Anderson is awesome for England. And you know, relatively speaking, he's still quite young, Stuart. So you know, there's there's the realms of probably another hundred or two hundred Test wickets in front of him if he does stay fit. So that's only a good thing. Tim, why do you think he has? picked up some criticism over the years do you think there's a an arrogance or a perceived arrogance in the media or the public abroad or yeah i think that that's probably fair and you know he's a good looking guy with some jealousy of, of that as well i think i think it, there for a spell it became kind of fashionable to not like the england cricket team a, a couple of years ago and it's sort of you know, people on twitter and he was started outside yeah and almost got tainted with the outside cricket kind of thing i know that was not not, not to do with him directly but there was almost a, you know people who were in that that group almost got tired a bit with that. I think the other thing as well, he's been he's been fairly inconsistent. I mean, last last three or four years have been outstanding, but from sort of his debut in 07 for the next three or four years, he was quite inconsistent. I think there was a bit of frustration about that, the sense that he wasn't wasn't pushing on to the next level, which obviously he's he's done really the last couple of years fantastically. I mean, that's the thing. Just following on, Tim. I mean, how old is he? Is he twenty eight? 20, 27, 28? He's about 28 or 29. So, so I yeah. mean, really, like his best years are now. Yeah. You know, for the next four years, I think we're going to see the best out of Stuart Broad. And, you know, sometimes as supporters, you know, fans, early on in players' careers, when you see potential, you get frustrated when things don't happen. But, you know, sport and particularly cricket, it's a hard game to master. And I don't think there's anyone that's truly mastered the game. So... I think, you know, there's obviously been inconsistencies there, but as Tim just said, you know, the last couple of years have become more consistent. He's starting to bowl these match-defining and series-defining spells, and I think there's going to be more and more of it over the next four or five years. I, mean, I think it's interesting, as Jay said, people always think of Broad and Anderson as like a pet, and a fantastic pair, but actually Broad is four years younger than Anderson, so actually he's got time to take a hell of a lot more wickets. You know, he could... He's on, what, 325, 330 now. He could well out now with full of 500, 100 feet, obviously. Remarkable achievement. Yeah. Does it surprise you guys that he's the first England bowler to top the rankings since Harmison? Yeah, I've certainly raised an eyebrow at, at that stat. Um, you know, one would think that James Anderson at some stage over the last sort of five years particularly would have broken into that top spot. But, um, and also probably even Graham Swan, you know, when Swan was in his pomp um, a few years ago. He was, you know, definitely one of the best spinners in the world and consistently taking, you know, bags of wickets and, and big series as well. So it is surprising. Um, it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> I think it's partly to the side that England played. They've played so, so much, both Test and ODI cricket, that the players haven't... It's been quite hard for them to maintain that, that sort of level. You look at South Africa, who played... A lot, quite, a, quite a lot less than England actually they've had players like A.B. Hashim Amla and, and Stain of course who've, who've stayed at, at or around top spot and basketball bowling for quite a long period in England because they play so much perhaps haven't and interesting that Stuart Broad he's come to number one when, he, when he's not playing in limited O's cricket for England anymore it's a very good point which is obviously yeah. suggests that Selectors are managing him well I know he, he wants to mm. come back but so far 
etc. has certainly been kind of vindicated on that. Yeah, and that's an interesting point because I know from a South African point of view, like Stain, for example, who's been at the top of Test Bowling for a long time, his one-day capacity for South Africa hasn't been massive. They've, they've managed him through his one-day career because they've always seen his highest value has been in Test Match cricket, so hence why he's probably sustained being near the top or at the top of the rankings. So it be interesting if there is a parallel there for, for Stuart. He'll obviously want to be playing one-day cricket. Yeah. For England, but um, at the moment it's no hindrance to his Test match cricket. And just earlier, you very modestly said you didn't know what it was like to go on a hot street like <laughs> that, but I did do a little bit of research, James, and he did once take five for naught in a county match in a spell for Gloucestershire against Derbyshire. Yeah, it was it was about <laughs> as green. The pitch was about as green as Lords is looking right now. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, I, yeah, look, it was just a bizarre situation, a bizarre hour of bowling that. Um, you know, on a much lower level, obviously, than what Stuart's done. Um, you know, sometimes they're kind of unexplainable situations as a cricketer, you know, uh, those sort of scenarios, and um, you just go with it, really. Well, I'm sure England fans will be hoping to see a lot more from Broad in the coming years. Too right. Um, earlier this week, it was announced that Brendan McCullum would give this year's <laughs> MCC Spirit of Cricket Cowdery Lecture. The New Zealand captain will deliver the annual address in June where he'll give his opinions on the state of the game and what the spirit of cricket means to him. The announcement was met with much anticipation. So James, you know Brendan well as a fellow Kiwi. Uh, what do you expect from him in regards to giving a lecture? Yeah, interesting one. Um, you know, uh, Brendan himself is um, you know, a, a great leader and um, he's shown that over the last couple of seasons, particularly with the New Zealand side, and he's been lauded around the world of cricket for the way he's gone about his work um, as a leader and, and, and I guess from a tactical point of view as well. He's sort of rewritten a few, um, you know, cricket books in terms of the way he's been attacking and aggressive and raised a few eyebrows, I guess, from critics around the world with some of his fields, particularly he's set during the last World Cup, um, which were highly aggressive. So... Like I think it'll be an interesting speech. I, th- I think I read somewhere when it just got announced that you know he's got a few themes in mind for for that speech, and it'll be a proud day for him. I'm sure. You know, five years ago he probably wouldn't have thought that he'd ever have the opportunity to do this, and um, I guess that's just a measure of how far he's come and how far he's you know matured as a cricketer and a, and as a leader in the last sort of three or four years and um, I reckon it's just a, a great kudos for him and a, a great pat on the back really that he's got this opportunity. And Tim, as a journalist, are you looking forward to this speech? Yeah, I think it should be very interesting. I think one of the themes that Brandon's talked about quite a lot is his sort of frustration at not playing more uh, more three three test series and you know, lots of two test series all the time and that sort of I guess goes to how someone like New Zealand is treated compared to Australia, England and India. So I reckon he he might kind of talk about that and sort of the, I guess the limits of what New Zealand are allowed to play just because they're they're a small country, kind of however well they play on the pitch. I think he probably feels quite frustrated about that and I'm sure he'd, he'd love to play the test at the MCG or whatever and obviously never had that chance. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's an interesting point you make to him because, I mean, in a way, I think having played for New Zealand for a, for a period of time, now obviously we played a lot of two match test series away. Um, we've generally only had one three test series, you know, per year, um, and and there was a sense of frustration amongst 
the team when I was on the test team that, you know, why can't we play these three test series? But I guess at the end of the day, the results at the time weren't conducive to uh, the bigger supposed test nations and the ICC to give us that opportunity. Um, that's changed a bit now over the last 18 months, two years. Now New Zealand is producing on a world stage against the big teams. And I think if we can uh, keep that level and keep that consistency over the next year or two, then those opportunities will start to open up. Hopefully we will be able to break into making our own iconic series, as, whether it's against England, whether it's against Australia, India, whatever, hopefully through being stronger and better on the pitch. Uh, will lead to, to great opportunities to play longer test series. But yeah, it's obviously pretty frustrating that the New Zealand Australia series that's coming up is only going to be a couple of tests again. Yeah, hugely frustrating. Um, again, looking at the big picture though, we, we just played a three test series in Australia for the first time in 13, 12 or 13 years. So um, I guess over the course of the summer, there's actually five tests against Australia, which is you know, if you kind of looked at it broadly, you know, a five-test match series, um, short as one's a home, one's away. Um, but hopefully more of those three-test series will come in. Um, obviously now there's more uh, commitments with World T20 tournaments, um, IPLs, all these sorts of things start to come into the mix. So your time restraint as well is, is less. And, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, there are iconic and historical tests events that um, happen I guess on a biannual basis now like the Ashes, like India playing Australia, like South Africa playing Australia so it's all got to fit into a, to a calendar as well but hopefully by New Zealand playing better cricket now they'll get more chances to have longer test series. And McCullum will also be here for Middlesex this season at Lords, he'll be playing in the T20 I think he's scheduled to play a couple of games here, uh, what will he bring to a dressing room? Brennan brings an infectious enthusiasm to the game. Um, you know, he's he'll be great with the younger guys to really instill um, a fearlessness because, you know, if you watch Brennan, that's sort of the way that he plays. It's become a lot more calculated the older you get and then you can only get that calculation through experience. Um, I think a lot of people that would have watched Brennan in his earlier days would have said at times it was reckless. Um <laughs> But again, it's those experiences that he's probably able to pass down to a dressing room. Um, he's certainly done it in the New Zealand team. And you know, I'm, I'm hoping, I know that the coaching staff are hoping that when he comes into our changing room here at Middlesex, that that um, sort of attitude will rub off on a couple of, couple of guys um, and hopefully help them in the middle and, and um, you know, wait and see whether or not it, it, um, it, it benefits these younger guys, but uh, from a playing point of view, it's, it's certainly going to be awesome for the group to have him in the team and to watch him how he goes about his business. And Tim, as a for the fans and the and the media as well, particularly, I mean, Sky Sports must be quite happy to have someone of McCullum's stature playing in the in the NatWest Twenty Twenty Blast. Yeah, I'm interested to see if if uh, the games of McCullum playing are shown because I think none of Chris Gale's show, games were shown last season on Sky, and some people are getting frustrated about that the other thing is it's great for other counties actually because when Middlesex go there they'll get more people coming I know some county chief executives said they've got a few thousand extra people literally just because Chris Gale was playing for Somerset last season so if this, the same happens it's good for, for kind of county cricket and also it gives you know the media a chance to talk about county cricket another reason too because he's such a big personality and, and that's obviously great for the game 
And what um, you're talking a little bit about the younger players there. It's going to be a little bit about not dissimilar to when you were younger and playing with, say, Stephen Fleming. The guys in the Middlesex dressing room, I mean, they may be English players, but they'll have watched McCullum growing up and be thinking, oh, wow, you know, it's a bit of a superstar. Oh, there. 100%. I mean, there's already been a bit of chat in the training <laughs> amongst a few of the young lads that they, they're so excited about him turning up because they just can't wait to, to pick his brains and to see how he trains and to see how he prepares. And, you know, it might seem like small detail to, to fans and supporters, but that's actually quite a big thing for, for young players to actually see these guys on a on a human level um yeah. sometimes you know brendan is a superstar of cricket and you, you sometimes just only see that but when a player like brendan comes into your dressing room that can get all sort of stripped away and you actually get to know him as a human and realize that you know kind of he does have two arms and two legs and <laughs> he is um just a human being at the end of that so that'll be neat for the young guys and I mean, let's not forget at that time um, when Brendan's around, we're actually probably going to see quite a bit of Owen Morgan as well. So, you know, two two leaders, or you know, Brendan's obviously retiring of their countries, two dynamic um, twenty twenty players and short format players. Um, it's going to be great for our dressing room. Do you think they'll try and out hit each other? Uh, possibly, <laughs> but I would suspect by the time Owen comes in and if Brendan's still batting, Brendan will be on with you. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Well, um, right, it's the time now to, to finish the podcast with the quiz. Um, it's the first time that both of you have played this, so I'll, I'll, I'll refresh the rules also for the listeners. Basically, I'm going to give you a cricket player and a non-cricket player, and all you have to do is guess their age and tell me which one is older. And you're up against each other. So, uh, James, as the player, you can go first. And Tim... <laughs> I don't know the yeah, rules that, yet. <laughs> that's, that's one of the rules that I just created. The player always like seems to rule. go first. So, um, who is older? Aravinda De Silva or Will Smith? Aravinda. Tim? Will Smith. It's Aravinda de Silva by three years. So James took a one nil lead. Here we go. Next one. Tim, who is older? Stuart Broad or Jessica Ennis Hill? Jessica Ennis. I have to go Stuart Broad. It's Ennis Hill by a matter of months. You are allowed to play tactically and go for the same one. No. You could take a 1 0 lead and just. <laughs> just have a Colin star. Yeah. Um, James, who is older? Waka Eunice or James Bond, as in Daniel Craig? That's a good one, I reckon. It's not a good one, actually. Um, I'm going to say. Daniel Craig. Yeah, I'm going to go for Craig as well. Oh, it's getting very tactical. It is Daniel Craig. Mm. Three years. All right. No points scored there. Um, <laughs> Tim, who is older? Alan Donald or Jennifer Lopez? That's tough, actually. Alan Donald. That's who I wanted to go. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. 
Are you going for Jennifer Lopez? Oh, I have to. All right. Well, it's it's Alan Donald. <laughs> yeah. By uh, by three years. I think that's good to know, really. Um, so Tim, two one, right? The decider. James, who's older, Brendan McCullum, <laughs> or Colombian singer Shakira? I'm going to go with... Shakira. 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 You seem very confident there. Yeah, I was going to say it anyway. Okay. Plus, I want to go with James. That is not in the spirit of cricket. <laughs> that is... Uh, well, it is Shakira. She is older than Brendan McCullum by four years. Um, but Tim, you take a two-one victory there. Well played, very tactical at the end. Moral defeat. Yeah, he sort of got the ball in the corner and just <laughs> played the throw-ins. Um, so James, just to finish up. What, what have you got coming up over the next few weeks? I believe you're shooting off tomorrow. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm off to the to the MCL um, to go and play with a few few guys out there that have retired from the international game. Um, so it's a new concept. It's uh, 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 should be interesting to see what's sort of shape some guys turn up in but um I think it'll be it'll be a good it'll be a good concept going forward and um it's obviously nice to be playing in the in the inaugural tournament so um flying off there tomorrow for a few weeks in the sun out in Dubai and then back for a couple of weeks uh from mid February and then um as a club Middlesex we're we're going down to Cape Town for pre season for two weeks in early March which will be good. Good to get outside and in some nice weather, um get some good training and some games under our belts before coming back and Get into a few more warm-up games here, and then you know, blow me down. It's the start of April, and we're we're ready to go again. Great stuff. Well, good luck this season. Hope it goes well. Thank you. And Tim, what's on the uh, what's on the agenda? I'm going to India in March for the World T20. So oh. looking forward to that, and just uh, sorting my visa and all, all fun stuff for that before. How's that going? Uh, yeah, work in progress. Work it's in tricky, progress. isn't yeah. it? <laughs> See if they let you in, but um, who are you covering that for, if you don't mind me asking? A uh, mixture of people uh, doing stuff for the Times, uh, the Cricketer, uh, the Cricket Paper, anyone everyone. Great stuff. And just while I've got you both here, who's going to win it? I, I, well, I'd like New Zealand to win it, um, but I have a sneaky suspicion that Pakistan could be a big threat out there. I think... Having just watched them uh, and they're in the middle of a T20 series against New Zealand, I think they've got a, a, a really good bowling attack for the conditions out there if they all stay fit. Um, obviously, their sort of conditions. i just got a funny feeling about Pakistan. I don't know why. Tim? I think Australia. I think five teams have won the World T20 before. They haven't been one of them. So I think Australia kind of overdue and their, their batting, there's a lot of power in that batting. And the return of Sean Taylor will be interesting too. Absolutely. Well, there you go. It's going to be an Australia-Pakistan final. You're going to hear first. Uh, many thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter, our handles at Home of Cricket. Be our friend on Facebook. And for all the latest news from Lords, just go to lords.org. See you soon.